0: Hi TJs, hope you're having a good Friday. Uh, I recently talked to Dr. Linda Shaw. Uh, She holds a doctorate in cognitive neuroscience, specialising in unconscious processing of emotion and behavioural change. She works with senior leaders and their teams who want to better understand the science of change and development and harness this power through heightened awareness of how their brain works. Uh, We talked about wearing masks, the psychology of wearing masks, and we talked about trust as well. Uh, There's a lot to say around this subject, particularly when the goalposts are shifting so quickly and so dramatically. So do tune in and listen to what she has to say about trust. Trust a little bit about well-being and also towards the end something about kindness. We're talking about various aspects of psychology, the new things that we're dealing with in this world of work and uh, also life I guess. The first question being tell us a bit about your thoughts on the psychology of wearing masks and why some people react against it.
1: Okay, okay. Um there is I think there's a few things to consider, to be honest with you. Um, First of all, when we communicate with people and we talk to them face-to-face, we really do look for facial cues with the eyes and the mouth to glean more understanding. And, of course, if the mouth is covered up, we are going to be um, struggling to interpret people properly. We might um, have a, an issue, for instance, with the expression of anger, or is that of disgust? And we we are start we will start to feel a little bit insecure that we're giving the right cues, especially if they're wearing sunglasses, because then you haven't got any any information coming from the eyes or the mouth. So that can actually make us feel um, a little bit threatened, and also we get we feel a bit self conscious because it's it's like somebody being partially deaf if we if people often who are who are partially deaf they misinterpret what somebody says and that leads to really um, a feeling of embarrassment and being self-conscious. So if we start, these, these mixed messages and misinterpretations are an issue, I think, for people wearing masks. Um, and, and, you, and you know what we're like in England. To embarrass an English person is the, probably the worst thing you can do to them. So... Um, Uh, culturally there are issues and equally culturally of course we are not used to wearing masks whereas some cultures are so that that's that's another thing we've got to almost wait to catch up and and for it to become more of a social norm and I think that the uh, mixed messages we've been getting over the last six or seven months from the government has not helped and we're feeling um, a, a threat to our, our freedom, if you like, because we're having to conform to rules that change all the time. So there's a, a, a lot of confusion going on. So yeah, there's a few pro- there's a few problems go- with with the masks. But nevertheless, that doesn't mean to say we shouldn't wear them. We should wear them because if it's going to help us not spread the virus, then it's worth doing.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. You mentioned uh, at the end of that answer, something that's going to lead into this question, actually. It's a little bit of a leading question for me, but let's see where it takes us. This perhaps leads to some bigger questions about uh, our, our ability to change or our opinions of change and how we react against this. And like you said about mixed messages, it also, I think, uh, is about our questioning and trust of authority, which I think is particularly important uh, at the moment, as you said, that We've, we've had some confusing messages from our, our government in recent months. What do you uh, think about all that?
1: Actually, I believe that trust is the most important thing um, for us to concentrate right right now. <clears throat> if you want people to support decisions, you, you have to come from a place of trust. And if you're on, in, on a place person in authority, you've got to earn that trust by showing um, a, a really high level of expertise and listening to experts, a really high level of of making good judgments, and a strong track record. And so far, we haven't seen much evidence of any of that. So um, I think there's a a huge element of us not trusting people in authority. So how do we claw it back? Um, I think we need um, decisiveness, which we seem to be getting now, um, but consistent messaging, which is still not solid and the messages are still a little bit opaque they're not clear so we, we are not people are still coming from a place of distrust um and so for, for us to actually um start to trust people in authority outside of being you know the consistency and having a strong track tra- record and so on we all, i think i think we're not hearing very much from from the author people in authority about how well we're doing um, nobody actually, you know, we talked about our NHS staff and and how magnificent they have been and continue to be, of course, but there are all the emergency services that are doing a splendid job, and also there's the, 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 us lesser folk who are, are not in the emergency services, who are all trying to do our best. Um, even those who don't seem to be conforming to the, to the um, the new guidelines, everyone is trying to do their best in in their own way. And I, if if we can maybe the people of authority start to acknowledge that, and then give people some power, not strip them of their power, give them some power by giving them really strong, consistent, clear data the whole story as as we know it so far, and I know that's going to keep changing as we as this virus evolves and we evolve in how we handle it. But if we can if we can just empower people with the knowledge and then get them on board because they know the whole story. Do you know part of me thinks that we need to trust people more so that they become trustworthy. And, and therefore, you need to empower people. So it's all about giving them the data, giving them um, uh, the knowledge and the overall view of everything as far as we can, and, and trust people. I think there's, that's missing hugely.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think trust is uh, often harder to come by, um, even before uh, what we're living through right now. But um, the third, my third question, I'm possibly asking a lot of you, so I'd, I'm not... Uh, <laughs> not looking for a definitive answer here because it's a very very big question and again it sort of speaks to uh some of the fundamental ways in which we engage with information in 2020 and um beyond really but how would you suggest that we change people's minds for example about safety issues when it's easier than ever at this point september 2020 to selectively find evidence to support your viewpoint in terms of confirmation
1: bias yeah absolutely and people will always um, um air towards unconscious bias and look for evidence to support their beliefs and ignoring evidence that does not support their beliefs so and to change people's minds as far as that's concerned is the way to do it is to get people to want to uh, you can't force people to change their minds because it's all part of being it's all part of group membership they, you know, people. Have, we seem to be split into two camps, maybe more. And you, people who are in the camp where they are not wanting to wear masks, for instance, not not adhering to the guidelines, the government guidelines, and so forth. They don't. They won't want to upset their peer group. They won't want to upset those people who are in agreement with them or they are in agreement with their peer group, which we're, every way around, it doesn't really matter. But we're tribal and we don't, we don't want to be um, abandoned by the, a social group that we have identified with. So um, how you can actually change people's minds into consider safety, really we need to draw them in to a new way of thinking that is, um, makes, us, makes them feel as if they're belonging to a, a different, a new tribe that they don't belong to at the moment, a new group of people and a different way of thinking. So they feel integrated. They feel they belong. It's really important that people feel they belong to whomever they identify with. So if you want people to change their minds, it's a, on, especially on the safety issues, it, it's, a, it's a good idea to integrate them with people who have already had their minds made up in a way that is advantageous to the popu- to the general population i.e. the safety issues so that that's the way to do it and it's and it's done again by trust you know trust we keep coming back to trust is that then they people if they can identify with um, a different way of thinking in terms of safety then they will start to trust that process and again become more trustworthy so it it it's 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 about people belonging to the group that considers safety issues sensibly.
0: In terms of getting people to change their minds, uh, do you think this is the reason why role models are so important? So you you want to move people's opinions or behaviours from one place to another. Um, And sometimes people do this, um, large institutions and organisations through the use of popular figures or role models.
1: Yeah, I think role models are really, really important. Um, for instance, I'd give you an idea of how the brain works in terms of that, uh, in, in terms of um, identity of groups. Um, if you if you are you constantly drive around in the middle of the afternoon and schools are coming out and you, you see the predominantly women picking children up, the brain will go, "Oh, it's women who pick children up from school." rather than you consider there are a few men there as well. So you start to then categorise women as the, the, the people who pick children up from school. Um, so if you therefore then see people who are um, really uh, cool, and cool people who are wearing a certain um, uh, brand in their clothing, you will think, oh, that branding is all about people who are really cool. Um, so we we associate all the time. So if you are looking at role models um, and those role models whom whom you uh, who you identify with are wearing a mask, you're more likely to subconsciously file that away and going, oh, it's pretty cool to wear a, a mask. Then I thought, you know, that they wouldn't do that. And so you, it, there is there are lots of subliminal messages that we are exposed to constantly that make us consider um, biases or unconscious biases or conscious biases, um, but they feed that. um, And we really do need to have famous people, sports people wearing a mask and and being an example of taking care of safety issues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, to, To finish on a more positive note, hopefully, my final question is about looking to... Uh, a more positive 2021, I think. Um, What behaviours do you see successful companies and businesses adapting when it comes to uh, flexible working and kind of the new way that we're sort of uh, kind of interacting with work?
1: Well, I'm, I'm I'm working with a lot of companies now who are taking this very, very seriously and quite rightly so, because if you have a company that is not considering their workforce at this moment, and they, and they think they can they, they're fine because there aren't enough jobs going around there's mass redundancies and all sorts of things happening. So people should be grateful for a job. Yes, certainly there will be people who are will be grateful that they're working but woe betide that company in a, six months a year's time or whenever when things are better uh, most people will leave they will lose their best workforce because they weren't weren't treated with consideration. So at the moment, what the successful businesses are looking at and will be adopting and are adopting now when it comes to flexible working is really being considerate about what people want. Now, there's an issue with that because... Um, if people, there is a, a section of society that very really much want to work from home, and there's a, success, a, a, a section of society that don't. So what, that's fine. If you have got a really good bosses and they, and they want to accommodate all their staff, um, fantastic. But what worries me is that we're setting up of them and us, those that work from home, those that work in the office, so what you could have is um, those that work in the office are really maybe getting feeling a little bit bitter because those who are working from home don't have to commute, don't have to go on public transport where, you know, where you're, you're um, more exposed to the virus. Or you've got it the other way around, where people are working from home are thinking those in the office are thinking well they're probably going to get a promotion before me because out of sight, out of mind. So they're just two things that can polarise the workforce, and you have this this diverse that this division going on where it's of them and us. So we've got to be really careful. So if you are, for instance, um, are, are, are accommodating your staff to do that, um, then perhaps once a week you all all the staff come together for a virtual meeting so that everybody's um on the same platform and 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 having the same advantages and disadvantages at least once a week that might be a good idea i think also um It's the responsibility of a good employer to um, remove any uncertainty you you possibly can. Because uncertainty, the brain doesn't do uncertainty, it doesn't do gaps. So what it does is it makes things up to fill in those gaps. So for a company to be successful, you need to communicate, communicate and communicate. Be absolutely crystal clear to remove any uncertainty so that the staff don't all go along um, making up stories and you know whispering behind people's backs and things like that. And, and you need people to know that they're in a safe environment if they're coming back to the office. So, again, communicate what is going on in terms of safety. It's really important. And trust comes in again. Um, we've really got to um, give our, our staff all the resources they need to do their job wherever they're going to be working from and trust that they will do it Um, and then as I say the the more people are trusted the more they become trustworthy so you get far more commitment from people and far more job satisfaction.
0: Uh, Linda thanks a lot uh, for talking to TJ today Uh, we've covered a lot of aspects of the you know the many things that we're dealing with at the moment and um, Hopefully more people will uh, take this advice on board. And uh, good luck with your
1: recent book as well. Yeah, I I think it boils down to us actually being kinder to one another and being more um, considerate and thinking about what it's like for that person at that moment. We never know what it's really like to be anyone else. We can't possibly. But we can try to have empathy and work with that to be decent human beings.
0: Yeah, we t- that's a really good point, I think. We, we talk a lot. I cover kind of well-being a lot and resilience and all these things, but simple kindness, I think, is uh, is, is something we don't hear that much about. And, um, yeah, I think it goes a long way.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when we are kinder to others and think of others, um we put our brain in the most efficient state it is because all the neuro all the feel good neurochemicals will will be activated at a better level. The stress hormones and the stress systems will be diminishing because we are thinking outside of ourselves and not focusing inwards. So it's a win win. It's actually a win win. When we are when we are decent human beings, it um it works. Yeah. You know, the world has to be around better.
0: Yeah, I um I'm doing a course at the moment um through Yale online about the science of well-being and they they spent the first few lectures saying all this stuff that you think makes you happy, uh, you know, a good job, money, possessions, blah, 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 does make you happy, but not as much as you think and not for as long as you think. The things that really make you happy are fairly obvious things like getting enough sleep, getting enough exercise, but also giving to other people and doing things for other people. Um, And they spend a lot of time talking about why, uh, you know, chemically, that's really, really important. So it's good to hear someone else back it up as well.
1: Oh, totally. Altruism, kindness and generosity really does put us in an optimum state of mental and physical well-being.
0: Great stuff. Um, OK, well, Linda, thanks a lot for your time and uh, speak to you very, very soon.